to New Zealand Vegan Podcast, episode 97. I'm your host, Elizabeth Collins, and I'm uh, this week wanting to talk some more about some things that are weighing on my mind. Um, This podcast has been weighing on me. I've been wanting to to do it um, for a few days, and the trigger has been today. Often there's a catalyst. I'll have some kind of thing happen, and I'm just like, I need to do a podcast. It's wonderful form of therapy as I've said before. So last week I talked a bit about species as vegans and the way that what I meant by that was that I was in, I was expressing my dismay I guess as to um, how often when you're dealing with when you're trying to deal with other vegans talking about the victims of exploitation and how best to help them the conversation invariably ends up being about you as a human or your personality or somebody else's personality or something like that and I sort of said that that's kind of speciesist and gosh I can't even really remember what I said but today I'm not sure if I'm I think I'm kind of going on from that theme but it's less it's less kind of I mean it's funny um, somebody um, left a comment on my last podcast saying that they were it was an unexpected topic when they when they talk when they heard the title species as vegans they thought I was going to talk about dealing with our own speciesism which we all have to do and um, it got me thinking I was like yeah that's probably um, you know it's a good it's a good topic and and I'll, I'll I think I'll that'll be part part of today but what what I really want to do today and th- this is this is you know I need to do this and I've I don't know if I've done it before. Um, I like to think I do it all the time. I mean, I'm trying really hard to always do it. Is remind everyone that the focus has to remain on the victims of exploitation. It it we must never lose sight of them. And I know that that sounds like a um an, um like an unnecessary thing to say, but it's not because of the stuff that I talked about in my last podcast. And um, you know, I was I. It's just like I'm constantly finding myself um, when I'm engaging with other people, whether they're non-vegans or vegans, I'm constantly battling this narcissistic human nature that we all seem to suffer from. And I'm constantly finding myself saying, let's go back to the victims. Let's go back to focusing on the victims because I'll get sucked in away from it as well. I'll get sucked into these personality wars and these egos and, you know, this, this that kind of thing. It seems to be sort of a curse of human nature that we're so incredibly narcissistic. Is that the right word? Self-obsessed, whatever you want to call it. Um, self-centered. Self-centered. And um, and I and I and I find that vocalizing it helps me. Most of the stuff that I say, it applies. Well, everything that I say, it applies to me just as much as it applies to anyone else. Um, I'm not, you know, sitting on. Um, I'm not sitting on on a soapbox and 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 talking as if I am the um, faultless one. That that's not what it's about. Um, but I got told today that I was on my high horse. That's a speciesist term, anyway. And that I was in an ivory tower. That's another speciesist term. And I thought, you know, um, because I wouldn't um, agree that meatless Mondays were useful. There's this thing called meatless Monday. I could do an entire podcast series on that. In fact, I probably should. But it's been talked about very effectively in many places. But anyway, that the point is, what I want to talk about today, what I want to remind everyone today is, you know, constantly remember, remember every time you're talking to someone, 
if something doesn't quite feel right because you get this feeling when you're talking to them and something's just not quite right and I've found I've discovered over the last couple of years that I've been doing this that that feeling is that feeling happens to me anyway when we when the focus shifts away from the victims and we start talking about ourselves um, so like I'll be talking to someone about veganism you know a non-vegan in the street in the street or whatever and then all of a sudden the conversation will shift um, to um, something that's not about the victims of exploitation it'll be about the fact that um, I mean sometimes you can't avoid it you'll talk to someone about veganism and they'll say well my friend went veganism and she um, she her iron levels dropped most of the time they say my friend went vegetarian and then you have to educate them that it's not the same thing and that eating copious amounts of dairy and eggs is really bad for you and that's probably <laughs> you know um, why you weren't healthy on it um, but but you know, talking about health and talking about things like that, it it's, gets away from the victims even then. Um, it's important to educate people about health, it's important to acknowledge that it's healthy, and yes, I'm not saying it's not, but we we often lose sight of the victims, and it's it's really tragic, it's really tragic. It, um, so this is my reminder to myself and to everyone, and I'll say that to people. I'll say, let's get back to who this is really about. Um, I mean, I agree that it's, you know, we're all part of this earth and we all deserve consideration. But, you know, I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll sort of remind people. Because if you focus people on the victims, like for me, I'm a dedicated vegan. I'm a vegan, I should say, and I will always be vegan because my focus was was shifted by others um, to the victims and everything I do as a vegan has that focus in mind and that's how you can do it moment by moment I did a, um, a Spanish podcast I don't know if I replicated it in English where I talked about living moment to moment like every moment I think I have talked about it where I talked to people and they're like oh it's just too hard and I'm like no it's not because once you decide that you don't want to exploit anyone, you don't want to hurt anyone, you really don't, and you just want to do your best as you possibly can on this planet right now, which means it's you're never free from harm, harming others, you're just not as a human living in this modern world, you're just not. Um, but every decision you make, you keep that in mind, and you keep the victims in mind, and you, and you, and you, so you, you, if you go out and, um, and there's so, there's you're gonna choose that you're gonna choose the vegan option or you're gonna go without in that moment because your focus is sitting on the victims and it's not just trying to sort of it's not it's not I wouldn't call it symbolic it's not it's not symbolic I'm not trying to say that I mean like if I go to the supermarket and I don't buy the flesh that's there you know I know that doesn't mean that that flesh is going to magically disappear and the animal's going to spring back to life and and it's it's going to reverse what happens to the animal. I know that that it's not. Um, so I know that empirically speaking to that individual, whether I buy their flesh or not, it's too late. But I'm still not going to buy it um, 
because um, it's 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 the wrong thing to do morally, um, and you know your actions as a, as a vegan every every moment every decision that you make because animal use is so pervasive and animal products are so ubiquitous, we're constantly being um, confronted with. Um, a situation where we have to evaluate the choice that we're being given. You can never take anything for granted when you're vegan. Like, um, you know, I was at work the other night and there were these um, seasoned french fries that somebody had bought and they were on the counter and they were french fries, you know, potatoes and salt and then Cajun seasoning, which is like chili powder or, you know, cayenne pepper or something like that, paprika. And um, I love, I love French fries with with chili seasoning on them, <laughs> Cajun fries. I just adore them. Um, and they were crispy, and they were like really big and thick, and they looked so delicious. Um, and they were there for the taking because um, somebody didn't want to eat them, so everybody was like out oh, eating them and saying, "Oh, do you want one?" And um, even if I was really, really hungry, which I wasn't, but even if I was really, really hungry, I would have said no because you can't take anything for granted. In fact, I would almost guarantee that, first of all, I wasn't exactly sure what was on them, but I'm sure they were fried in uh, vegetable oil as well. But the vegetable oil that was that they were fried in may very well, and I, I mean, I, I can't guarantee it, I don't know, maybe it was um, a place that only had French fries as the fries and everything else wasn't fried, but it could have been oil that had animal products fried in the oil, like flesh products and all these things fried in the oil, so there would have been animal products in that oil on those fries, animals, you know, oils, um, and um, I don't, I don't want to eat animals or their oils and um, so I could have tried to find out whose fries they were, gone over to them, said where did you buy those fries and then rung the store and said um, how do you prepare your fries, do they do you fry anything else in the oil, is it pure vegetable oil, are the fries seasoned with any kind of you know chicken seasoning or beef seasoning or anything I mean I just I could have done all that but it's just I just said no thanks you know I don't want one um, because you can never ever take anything for granted just because they're french fries doesn't mean they're vegan I know so um so this is sort of so your every action and um, and for me even though that particular action is more a personal thing so it's like um, one of one of the th things I do believe very strongly in is not perpetuating the notion and, and and perpetuating the idea that animals are things for us to use so um, that's why I, I am opposed to um, using recycled leather products and things like that in fact Gary Fritzman wrote a really good article recently about dumpster diving and things like that which I totally agree with it's it's more than just like I believe very strongly in not contributing to the demand for animal products as a as an economical matter and as also as a as a moral matter, obviously. Um, and I do know that when vegans, I mean, even in New Zealand, I mean, I'm not making this up, you know, I'm not imagining things. There's now two wines in my supermarket that say vegan on them. They're both from Australia, but when I moved to New Zealand, there were none. And um, um, and there's now um, 
two new restaurants in Auckland that have vegan menus. They're not vegan restaurants, but they have all vegan menus. Um, and um, when I moved to Auckland, there were no vegan restaurants at all. And now there's actually, well, there's a, there is a vegan restaurant that's my favorite restaurant in Auckland. Um, and it's the um, Loving Hut restaurant. And it is vegan. It's, it doesn't serve any cow's milk coffees or any of that stuff. Um, um, but when I came here, there was none. But no, it's just like little things. Like there's just more and more things with the word vegan on them in the supermarkets. And other people are noticing it too. So you're not only are you not contributing to the animal product demand, you're, you're raising the demand and awareness for vegan products. So that's all very that's all very empirical and practical and real and and you know and you know. Whereas if I didn't eat the French fries, if I ate the French fry, as far as anybody looking on would, would be concerned, I wasn't I wasn't doing anything that wasn't vegan because French fries are potatoes and, you know, they're vegan, um, generally speaking. And um I wouldn't be perpetuating the notion that animals were things for us to use, you know, because I was eating French fries. Um, because most people wouldn't think beyond that. They wouldn't think, they wouldn't consider the oil that it was fried and they wouldn't consider what else was fried in the oil. But So I wouldn't be sort of outwardly, um, society-wise, representing anything different because everybody in my job knows that I'm vegan now. And, and if they don't know, they'll find out as soon as, you know, very quickly. Most people know. So I wouldn't have, you know, worried about that. But for me, it was... At that point, it was personal. I didn't want to... I know that those French fries may not have been vegan, so I wasn't going to eat them because I don't want to ingest animal products um, because it morally, I find it morally abhorrent, even more than just worrying about my health or just being repulsed by it like on a visceral level, which I am. It was. It's morally important to me to do the right thing every time I possibly can. Um, I think it's just so incredibly important to do that, to be consistent Um because then you just, and it's not about being, oh, I got, what did I get told? I mean, you get called names by the vegans, but oh, we all know the names that you get called. But, you know, it's because what I do, and I do it consciously as well, because I'm so aware of the trap of speciesism. I am so aware of my own, you know, defects or personality traits because as much as anybody doesn't want to believe it I hate confrontation and um, I much prefer just to smile and oh everything's nice and everybody's great and oh let's all just keep it smooth you know um, it's so much easier that way and um, and so you know um, when when something comes up um, it would just be so much easier just to sort of not uh, make be that be the voice, be the voice for animals. Um, it would just be so much easier just to be quiet or not um, antagonize anyone, you know, because people get very guilty and all these kinds of things. Um, and it's 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 um, I have to constantly um, I have to constantly galvanize myself. Um, I have to fight against my own. Um, speciesism um, when um, I sometimes I'm, I work there's a kitchen at my job and I work the late shift um, but even if it's lunchtime it's still a lot of people bring their leftover dinner for lunch and they heat it up in the microwave and um, I do find the smells really really repulsive but I also 
I don't. I I see the faces of of the animals, and I, and sometimes I do it deliberately because if there's a um ambiguous smell, and my body sort of rebels against me, and tells me that's a that's food, you know, because I grew up you know thirty something years thinking that it was food and being you know being sort of taught to salivate and 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 look for the taste and things of it. I. It offends me. I'm offended by my own body. I'm sure it's sort of like. I don't know how to explain it, but so I conjure up the faces, of the victims. You know, um, I try to always remember the victims every single day, and like if I'm walking along and I look at somebody's boots, I I think of the cows. You know, I think of the cows when I look at those boots. And I don't have to actually even force myself to do it. It's conscious, um, but it's becoming unconscious because it's hard to explain. But I think that um, one of the reasons why I do it is because I'm so tired of being sucked into the human anthropocentrism, the humanocentricness of conversations with people. Um, and the focus is taken away from the victims, and it just bugs me. It bugs me so much because there's there there's such helpless victims, and they are their suffering is so immense. It's all encompassing, and you know we just can't forget it, and we have to always bring ourselves back to it. And when you're arguing with someone about um, advocacy especially take a step back and look at your conversation and say are we talk are we focusing on the victims or are we talking about ourselves and a good way to get people to think and they don't like it but too bad is to ask them if they would have the same conversation if we were talking about human rights abuses like child rape or something like that because you wouldn't the kind of conversations you have where where vegans are defending these speciesist kind of activities such as welfare reform or um, single issue campaigns or um, you know those kinds of things or meatless Mondays or you know vegetarian slash vegan you know sort of concepts when you when you stop them and say hey if we weren't talking about non-humans right now if we weren't talking about them if we were talking about human children and we and the issue was abuses to human children would you still be taking that same position and they get very upset <laughs> but so they should they should be upset they should be upset with themselves it's not um we need to remember that they're fundamentally morally the same just because one is socially sanctioned and one isn't doesn't change that fact and if we're not going to be that unequivocal voice if we're going to always compromise then they have no hope they have no they have nobody they have nobody then and the difference between the difference between um um there's obviously some very clear differences i was thinking the other day about the um saying you know i think it's equally moral to rape children as i do to use animals um, to to wear their skin to you know rape them they get raped um, cut them uh, murder them eat them you know all those kinds of things morally it's the same but the difference is, is that I would say a very small percentage of of adult society 
um, got, gets pleasure out of abusing children sexually. I'd say it's a small percentage. I hope I'm right. There's an extremely small percentage. So that analogy in that way is like, it's not necessarily that useful because so a, few, a small percentage of people do it. Um, but rape of women is, is extremely common. But, you know, it's just... So sometimes people bring themselves into it again. They're like, well, I would, I was never, I was never tempted, you know, I would never be tempted to, to you know, abuse children. I think it's dis disgusting. I find, you know, I think that's gross and despicable. And so, um, but, but I love, you know, my, my shoes and my, you know, so there, there is this difference in sort of percentage wise, but morally it's the same, but you have to be, you have to do have to be careful with those. When you're speaking to other vegans, feel free to use them because wake them up to what they're doing. Wake them up to the to the fact that they are being speciesist. I'm sorry, and um, I like to be woken up too. I mean, you know, I need we need to constantly. So so when you're talking to another vegan, ask yourself if 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 this conversation is where it should be, or if you're talking to a non-vegan, if this conversation is where it should be, because it's very often not. We are just very often we're just so saturated with speciesism and the thing is is that you know the the really insidious and terrible and dismaying part of that is that the non-human animals they don't have any other way you know they have no other option sadly for them they have to rely entirely on us entirely they are not going to emancipate themselves. They are not even going to be able to help emancipate themselves at all. They are completely reliant on us to do it. Unlike, say, women or um, certain, you know, humans and things like that, who are human. I've talked about this before as well. They can they can participate in their own emancipation by using their voices and using the things that they have, and they can defend themselves. If there was a discussion going on, and somebody and there was women in the room, and it was a discussion between men and women about how to deal with the rape issue or something like that, and one of the men, you know, made some sort of compromise that was very sexist and that perpetuated the victimhood of women, the women could stand up then and there and defend themselves, even if the other women who are spokesmen say they say there's spokespeople on stage, and one of them's a spokeswoman and one of them's a a spokesman and they're having this debate and the, the audience is there, the people who are being talked about, let's say victims or something, former victims of rape or something, and the spokeswoman doesn't do her job, those victims can stand up in that audience and say, hang on a minute, this is about, you know, let's keep the focus where it's at. And they can do that. The animals, they'll never be able to do that. They can't do that. It's only up to us. So if we don't do it, who will? So it's not pleasant. Believe me, you get called names People get offended. They make it all about them, and um, and and yet you you know just constantly keep those victims' faces in your head because they're you are all they have. You are the it, and it makes it breaks my heart that they're relying on. I mean, I shouldn't say that, but it does. This is my plea to everyone and a reminder to myself. Can we? Can we do something about this? Can we please do something about this? Can we have some kind of shift within the movement where there's a little alarm bell that goes off whenever the topic strays from the victims 
whenever the topic gets personal between you and some complete stranger, whenever the topic becomes about how, oh, I'm I'm offended by you, you know, this, or, well, I, I don't like the way you write. I think the way you write is really abrupt or something like that. Um, we We have to, we just... I don't know. I think we just we need to have those images of those faces of these beings, their eyes plastered in our conscious conscience. Never never leaving them. You know, it's it's I guess it's the same as children because children, um especially very young children, they can't advocate for themselves either. It's only when they get to a certain age. And I mean, for them it is very young and it is possible and the the thing is they will eventually have that. And they have their parents, you know, who are generally pretty uncompromising when it comes to their children. Most people, but the animals, the non-human animals, the victims of this, this non-veganism, and the victims of everything that we do, they only have us. And they all need to be on the same playing field at all times, just like all women should be and all children should be. It shouldn't be differentiated by race and it shouldn't be differentiated by age and it shouldn't be differentiated by country or skin color, whatever. So it shouldn't be differentiated by species. It shouldn't be differentiated by, you know, cuteness with the with the non-humans or anything like that we have to always remember this is a you know we this is this is victims victims on a monumental scale of a monumental scale of atrocity that is is you know and we're it um and we're talking about torture chambers and and bar and barbar- uh, barbaric torture of living beings, and just pick any species, okay? Pick any industry, pick any animal use. There are extremes of 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 torture that are 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 um, devastating to even think of, and then there are you know then the, there there are lesser extremes within that industry and and things like that. Well, I don't really care about making a comparison of the of the um level of pain and torture it's all wrong but but any industry there are bar- horrifically barbaric things that are just devastating you can't even think about them they are just so horrific this is real you know this is really happening every single day to millions and millions every second so if you just I mean, it's it would be it's nice to, it's nice to live in a little bubble and not think about it, you know. Um, I'm sure. Well, you know, it's our lot. You know, we have to whether we like it or not. We're on this earth, and if you're vegan, and if you and you if you've woken up, you know, try to find ways to enjoy life and and to hang out with other friends and and to do enjoyable things, and. Um, and just think, the more people who you wake up to veganism, the more pleasant your social life will be. But you're not going to wake people up unless you keep the focus on the victims. So this is just, how can we do this? How can we keep this in the forefront? Um, I just often say it flat out, like we need to focus on the victims. I'll say that to people. 
I had a conversation with someone who wasn't vegan on a um, Facebook thing. And uh, finally, they turned around and said, well, um, there's no, but you see, you call them victims, but I don't consider them victims. I consider them part of the food chain. So they they became uncomfortable with with my urgings to stop because they were doing things that were taking away from the veganism which focuses on the victims they wanted to talk about these other things and I kept saying hey remember who we're talking about there are billions of animals you know and then they finally their way of kind of wiggling around it or they at least attempted was to say well I know I you, you know you keep you keep saying that well they're not victims to me they are um, food I consider them to be part of the food chain. I don't consider them to be victims. So it doesn't apply. You know, you can't tell me to focus on the victims because to me there are no victims. So in other words, they don't exist. Um, but it's rare that you'll you'll find someone who says that. And um, I'm not entirely convinced by that. I think, you know, what happens is people will rather die than admit that they're wrong. And they'd rather take everyone else with them rather than admit that they're wrong ever. I, I don't know, I get, um, I will continue to say that as long as it takes, as many times as it takes, and I'm getting better at it too, because I don't get sucked in as much, like somebody will say, oh, well, you just insulted me, and I didn't actually, like, anybody can be insulted by anything, but I think that there, you can easily insult someone, if I say to someone, you are ugly, and you, and um, I think you're stupid, well, that's a deliberate insult, but if I'm talking about advocacy, and saying things like, um, this isn't working because of these reasons, and because it's not focusing on the victims, and, and that it's perpetuating this paradigm that we're trying to break, and it's not helpful, and then that's not insulting you, that's not even talking about you, it's talking about concepts and ideas, they might be ideas that you support, and you might be personally offended by it, but that's really not the point, and so when people do that, you just say, who are we talking about here, because I get offended all the time and insulted, if you want to call it, by, by vegans who perpetuate speciesism and say speciesist things. I find it grossly offensive and abhorrent, but I don't sort of make that the issue of the conversation. Like, it's all about me. It's all about Elizabeth and how she's offended and upset by this. You know, this is, this is the problem now. The problem is that you've upset me. No, it's not about me. And um, I'm not some kind of like... You know, I'm saying this because I have to do it constantly to myself. It's a constant reminder. It's a constant battle against ourselves. It's a constant battle against our own speciesism to do it. And, um, and the, you know, the, the victims are, you know, stuck with us. That's it. And um, so we have a, a huge obligation to them to put our egos aside and... And to just try to make everything, everything that we say and do, whether it's to each other or whether it's to um, non-vegans that we're advocating for, uh, you know, advocating to and engaging with, or just in general, to um, have in the forefront of our mind who this is all really, really, really about and what they are going through. What is actually really happening to them on a physical, and it's not, it's not um, a illusion or something like that. It's real torture and and screaming and 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 agony and, I mean, 
and it, yeah, I'm sorry that we're kind of. I I don't know how the world ended up this way. Um, I think it's pretty shameful, because obviously it's not just limited to non-humans. We human beings are doing horrific, horrific things to each other. Sometimes you do have to like see the documentaries and watch the videos and or read about it. So like for me. Um, I never want to ever see any of these horrific videos or anything like that again. I don't need to see them again. They are burned in my memory and inadvertently I'm subjected to them anyway because some vegans post that kind of stuff. And so I have these horrific images that I kind of avoid sometimes. But it's almost like 9-11. I, I never watched it and I never want to and I never want to see it. And I didn't have a TV and I was in Harlem so when it was happening I was listening to it on the radio. It was probably one of the worst days of my life, but um, not as bad as watching Earthlings. But um, I don't want to see it. I know it happens. I, w I was living there. I don't want to watch the video. I don't want to watch 3,000 people die. I don't want to watch it. But I've been subjected to it because it'll pop up on magazine covers or you'll... I remember I was at the laundromat... And they had on the TV, and the um, and so I looked up and I saw one of the things, one of the brief flashes of video. I've seen very little of the actual video. Um, and then the other day I was, I'm very interested in um, domestic violence. Um, not I shouldn't say interested in, but I'm very. It's another, it's sort of another passion of mine, just like veganism, you know. It's all the same thing. It's all about non-violence. It's all about non-victimization. It's all about non-oppression. So it's all related as far as I'm concerned. But I have a... I, I'm interested in working with domestic violence, you know, helping to, like, sort of as a paid job kind of thing to try to help, you know, victims of domestic violence because there's opportunities. And, um, and I was... I can't remember what, I was on a documentary or something, and then there was a, it was like YouTube, and then down the side of YouTube, they have other related videos, and then there was a photo of the towers, you know, with the smoke, and I mean, I couldn't unsee it, and so this is the same with horrific animal images, um, images of, of, you know, sometimes you're just subjected to them um, on the internet, because I am uh, involved with vegan advocacy, and a lot of vegans, like I say, do it, so you can't, get away from it sometimes um, but but most people don't see that stuff you see most human beings they're not in vegan advocacy because they're not vegan themselves and they don't see these videos and they don't see these things happening so sometimes people do um, um, have to be reminded that there's 150 million animals a day it's just an impossible figure. And sometimes I wonder, like, the 56 billion animals a year, I think that when I tell people that, their eyes glaze. Because it's an impossible figure. You can't. And that's just, just for food. And that doesn't even include all of the sea animals, which are in the trillions. So I I think that I think that I'm going to try to start when, when I... Because, oh, I've got some other news about the stall, but I'll, I'll talk about that at the end. But when I go... Um, when I talk to people, I think that figure, it's just, it's so mind-blowing. It just, 
I think when you bring it down to daily or when you bring it down to per second, then people people's imaginations can grasp that because we were doing, we were having a talk and I saw this presentation and it was that in New Zealand there's um, a domestic violence incident every, I think it was every six minutes. That's according to the statistics that they gathered and that's only reported and they estimate that only 20% are reported. So 20% out of all of the domestic violence incidents in the country, domestic violence being any any kind of domestic violence, not just involving children, but anything. I mean, you know, and sometimes just involving adults and not children, but often in fifty more than fifty percent involving children. Um, and that's every six minutes, and that's just the twenty percent of them. And then when you think about that, then the human brain, which none of us, not a lot, not all of us, are like astrophysicists or something and can comprehend the fifty-six billion. You can bring it down to per second, and then you start looking at the clock, or you think it maybe right now. Well, maybe just three minutes ago, and then again in another three minutes, you know. And then so when you talk about that that level, and you start to get people thinking that you know it's actually really it's it's, it's really happening. And it's not just this fantastical figure that just means nothing to anyone. Um, then you can start to get them to focus on individuals, um, because we need to get people focused on, on, on individual. Because every single one of these animals is a person, just like every human victim is a person, and um, they're not just like sheep or cows or um, blacks or Jews or women you know they're individuals that this is happening to and um and then you can try to touch people that way i i want people to um feel um sad you know for the victims i mean i want them to have you know empathy for them and um and so we try to find different ways of doing that and we try um to um we do let them know about the immensity of it but i think 56 billion animals a year is this is the figure and it's just so impossible so I think um, I'm not sure what I'm trying to say but I want people to um, just please can we just find a way as a movement as individuals to I mean I almost wish that there was I mean, we can't force people, we can't force other advocates to focus on the victims. We can't force anyone to do anything. But we can, anyone who's listening to this, who, and you probably, a lot of people listening already do, you know, every time they open their mouths about, about veganism, they're focusing on victims of non-veganism. And I mean, yeah. Um, and I, you know, I just hope that we can all be consistent about it. And um, every single time, um, I think that, like I've said before, I think this problem is not just limited to vegan advocacy. I'm sure that in all movements um, there are egos and there are people stop talking about the victims and start talking about politics and they start talking about the dynamics within their organization and all this stuff. And meanwhile, the victims are still being raped or they're still being tortured or they're still... So I think it's a human thing. Um, but like I say, just with the non-humans, it's just like they really, really only, only have us. I mean, they only have us. So I just find it unforgivable when um, advocates um, make compromises, even verbal ones, because 
That is such a huge betrayal. And don't they understand that if every vegan, you know, was uncompromising, and this doesn't mean, you know, people hear these words and they don't, they don't understand what it means. I'm going to do a podcast about what I mean when I talk about vegan advocacy, like exactly what that means. But it's not, a, when, you, when we say uncompromising, it's not like screaming at people or yelling or saying, go vegan now, you have to go vegan now, and then that's the end of the conversation, and then you've done your job, you've been uncompromising. No. Um, it's, it's about, just think of it in a human rights context. I, we have to keep going back to that because that seems to be the only place where people are uncompromising because most vegans are certainly not uncompromising in their advocacy for animals. They say, well, just cut down or just buy happy meat or whatever. When, you know, So we go back to human advocacy and we remind them. We say, hey, are you uncompromising about rape? Are you uncompromising about child abuse? You take that concept, you know, and, and bring it to um, animal advocacy. The only difference is that most people don't rape children. Well, I'm pretty sure. And they don't even attempt, they're not even tempted by it. It doesn't in any way attract them. Um, and most people do use animals and they are attracted to it and they do enjoy it and they, they think it's fun to go hunting or they think it's enjoyable to go fishing or they think it's nice to wear leather or they love the taste of it, you know. So yeah, okay, but it doesn't mean that you don't be uncompromising about it. In fact, if anything, you have to be even more uncompromising about it because it's so incredibly pervasive and if we don't do it, who will? If you think you're going to engender change in people by compromising the moral message, then you're wrong, in my opinion. Um, and so I'm going to do another podcast, and I'm going to get Renata, I keep saying this, but what's going to happen, right, Ren, Renata Peters from um, the Alice Springs Vegan um, Society, Desert Girl, who was my mentor on the Earthlings Forum, and we're going to talk about about I want us I want us to kind of share our experiences because I'm no I don't think I'm in any way an expert, but you see there are so few people out there actually doing unequivocal vegan advocacy that I know of um, in the grand scheme of things. I mean there are more and more people doing it. There's some great groups cropping up, and I know that they're doing it. Um, but in the grand scheme of things, compared to the all the welfare campaigning, we're still, you know, we're still trying to build up um, to get to that tipping point where it's where we're where we're more than just a minority of vegans doing it. So Gary Francione does it. He has always done it. Well, I shouldn't say the word always, but he's done it for as long as he's been working on these concepts that he developed when he recognised the property status of animals was um, the imp impediment was the. Um, block to, to any kind of useful uh, thing to help animals and he started talking about you know you know he's he does it and he's always done it so he's a great person to go to because he gives speeches on it he does radio interviews on it he's a university lecturer on it uncompromising vegan advocacy and it and it works so he's a great person to um, to look to for what does that mean what does this mean and there's heaps of other people out there doing it but I, I want to talk to Ren because we have a street stalls and there are other people who have street stalls as well who are doing it the Boston Vegan Association as well is doing it but anyway I, I am in contact with Ren and I can get her on Skype so she's willing to come on my show so I'm gonna you know really try to get her on because we have been doing it and then Widow has been doing it with me and we've talked about it before and Emmy James has done it with us and um, so we've talked about our experiences and people say oh it's so useful to hear you talk about your experiences doing vegan advocacy uncompromising abolitionist vegan advocacy in the community 
um, talking to people face to face and people are keen to hear what it's about and so you know but I do want to because there are misconceptions about what uncompromising vegan advocacy is huge misconceptions because I'll see people saying well you know the, the welfare advocacy that you're saying but at least it wakes people up to the truth about animal farming industry and I'm like why do you think that vegan advocacy omits that do you think that we leave that out I mean, what do they actually think vegan advocacy is? I think there's just a huge misconception about what it is um, with regard to it, all of these things that they say, well, at least welfare is awakening consciousness about animals. At least welfare is exposing these abuses. At least welfare is, and I'm like, vegan advocacy does all that and more. I mean, that's a huge part of vegan advocacy. It's just the difference is we're not compromising the victims. We're not betraying them by saying to people, you can just do it less or you can just buy happy meat. It's just, it's just, ah, oh, anyway, anyway. Um, so one more thing I'm going to talk about, um, just a little update. Um, I, um, Wurimu, uh, Paul, uh, myself are going to be changing the location of our street stall. It's actually not going to be a street stall anymore. Just at the moment, we're, we're sort of moving on to a new, um, thing, um, which is markets. And that was also, um, greatly inspired by the success of Renata Peters, um, and the Alice Springs Vegan Society's, um, markets um in Alice Springs and they do it at the farmers market which is um, every two weeks and in Auckland I've been putting some feelers out because I've kind of I'm I'm kind of you know at a place in my life where I've you know it's taken like it's, it's been a real struggle for me just just sort of getting my life together here so I'm, I'm sort of now in a more settled place and um so I'm it takes a long time for me to kind of feel balanced I guess um, and so in in New Zealand in Auckland I should say there are markets there are craft markets there are farmers markets everywhere but the craft markets are the ones that we're going to do here because they're kind of more um, I think they're I think I don't know I, I've only been to one farmers market and it's absolute mayhem great wonderful produce and, and vegetables and fruits and my, my vegetable and fruit bill was cut literally in half if not more it's unbelievable the markup that the supermarkets give so um, but we're going to do these craft markets so we um, I won't be outside Aotea Square in the street anymore um, at least not for the moment uh, we're going to be doing our first market um, so what we do is like they want each each area has a market once a month so you can do up to four markets a month but we'll probably do two or three um, so there's one on the North Shore in Davenport it's the Davenport craft market and we can hire a table and we can be indoors so it doesn't matter what the weather's like and it's a big craft market and people are um, mostly selling homemade crafts there's like blown glass or like stained glass or like homemade things of course there's going to be non-vegan products sold just like anywhere um, but um, they also do um, sell soy candles at one of the markets that we're going to so we can help them say look those are vegan candles you know let people know but um, so we're going to do that. So I'm really excited and we need to sort of I need to kind of clean up our I'm going to start um, getting some new uh, resources like new. Um, I don't know if anybody's seen the photos of Renata's um, store. It's on the Alice Springs Vegan um, Society's Facebook page. But she has a professional sort of looking professionally done printed um, banners and things made out of material. And um, and that looks very attractive. And, and the markets that, that they do here are very professional. Everything's very um, um, professionally done. Like my 
our stuff at the street store is like handwritten stuff on cardboard and like broken plastic, you know, things that are falling over half the time and it's kind of falling apart in my little table, you know. So we're going to sort of, this is part of it. I just wanted to start moving on up and getting out there and getting, um, I mean, I don't care if it's written on cardboard or not. I mean, that's not the point. But, you know, it is nice to sort of have something that's visually attractive that people um, can can look at and, and they, they sort of, you know, I don't know. It's all these kinds of things. But so hopefully we'll have a bigger table because um, we can rent one from the Davenport and it's two meters by two meters um, space. And then the other market we're doing is Mount Eden, which is on the other side of Auckland and they're once a month. So the markets are kind of staggered. So the Davenport one's once a month on Sunday, every first Sunday. And then the Mount Eden one is like every second Saturday. And then there's one over in, t- um, there's one in, um, and Birkenhead, which is another on the north shore of Auckland, and that's probably every third Sunday or something like that. So we can go to these different markets and they don't clash with each other because a lot of the vendors go to these different markets as well because they make their money selling their stuff. So we had great reception. We went and spoke to the organizers of one of them. They were very welcoming. They We told them we were doing vegan advocacy. And they were very welcoming, and they said, that's wonderful, come, come. And then the Davenport one, um, we, we said, you know, we're doing vegan advocacy, and then they said, yes, please come. So, um, and um, it's not that expensive, it's $20 for a table. Um, I think that um, it depends on, on the kind of place that it is. Um, if you want to give away food, you have to get, um, I know Wren's had to get um, like a, a license and things which can be a few hundred dollars but once you do the initial investment it's really really worth it I mean it's not you don't need a lot of money um, to do vegan advocacy you just don't um, the you know but you do have to spend your own money because you can't rely on the welfare groups because they're going to send you their very professionally done flyers and it's all going to be about welfare and you don't want that do you so I'd rather a handwritten piece of cardboard saying you know veganism is non-violence and respecting other animals than I would a million times better than some glossy, high-quality, super expensive printout saying, you know, um, free the chickens from the cages or something like that. I'll take the handwritten cardboard one any day. But um, if you can, you know, but if you can get a few people together and get a really nice setup and you know a really beautiful um, representation of yourself and 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 nice, you know, signage and things. I mean, go for it. I mean, it's a lovely thing. It might take you a while, but start out with the cardboard and then the, you know, because. really what it is is getting people out coming up and talking to you and using your voice that's what it's really really about is getting that one-on-one with people getting them thinking um that's what it's really about so um just start doing it uh you just need a piece of cardboard and a sign to start you know and you can print out some pamphlets. I mean, you can print out a few pamphlets. They're all available online. We've got a, um, some links to some great pamphlets on our on our um, website, um, nzvegan.com. On the page under advocacy, there's a page called literature. And um, if you can't um, print out in color, print out in black and white. And, um, you know, even just the word vegan and a smile, you know. If, if you can't um, transport cupcakes or things, just just, you know, get out there and do it. And um, we kind of have to because there's so much welfare advocacy going on that we really, really need to get out there and represent. So anyway, um, but remember to, to focus on the victims. Um, and that's not stating the obvious because I find that it often gets over, you know, we get sidetracked and that's just what really makes me sad. And um, I try to stop it in myself and I try to stop it in others. Sometimes it doesn't make you popular. Um, but um, isn't it strange though? But anyway... Um, 
people are very complicated so um, that's the news from the stall and um, so I'm excited um, the first market is August 5th and we're going to um, post about it uh, we'll alert you know we'll put it on our site and um, and I'm gonna try to take photos of it because it'll look different hopefully I'm, I think in the beginning um, I'm going to have still have the same sort of stuff, but I will be gradually. I've got some some ideas like if we get a nice big table, um, which I'm going to try to get um, secondhand off uh, one of our online sort of secondhand websites, Trade Me. Um, I want to be able to get some some a nice like either printed tablecloth with our logo on it, or um, or or a nice banner that's a cloth banner that sits nicely. Um, it would be nice to. Um, yeah, to have to have um, something covering the table, um, and it's gonna be it's gonna be kind of nice because we won't be in the. It doesn't won't matter if it rains and things like that. Um, sometimes the markets will be outside, but uh, most of the time we'll we'll be able to be inside or under a shelter of some sort. And anyway, summer's around the corner, so so I think this is this is really cool, and um, this could be a way for us to get. And we're going to be all over the city this way. We'll be in the North Shore, and we'll be in other places. And um, we hope, we really, really hope to inspire other people um, to do unequivocal vegan advocacy. Um, we really, really hope that we can be an example of how easy it is to do. It only takes a couple of people, and you just get out there. And you know, as long as the message is consistent, and as long as it's the right message, though. Um, it's um, hard for people to understand our position still, for some reason. But I'm, I'm not keen on people going out and doing welfareist advocacy or any of that. Of course not. I mean, I, it's just the wrong. It just doesn't help. I'm afraid. Sorry to say. Um, so we really, really want people to, to learn about how to uh, advocate for veganism. Um, unequivocally and it's not um, and don't you know just think before you speak it's like it doesn't mean you don't talk to people about you know industry and then the horrible things that happen to animals it doesn't mean that you don't talk to people about diet it doesn't mean that you don't talk to people about the environment but it means that you focus on veganism not cutting down not vegetarianism not cage-free it means that you f you focus their attention on the justice and the respect and the non-violence and these kind of really super fundamental important concepts that resonate with people to their core and you and you and you work with them people people don't you know you know that people are not going to come up and say right i'm going to go vegan right now but you work with them and um, it's not about saying, well, it's all or nothing. That's just another lie that people tell about us. It's not about expecting people to go vegan overnight. That's just another lie that people tell about us. It's about presenting the truth and presenting the goal and presenting the answer to this to people. And they will walk away from your stall and they will do it in their own time. And there's nothing you can do about that. And you allow, you know, you have to, you acknowledge that. People will say, I'm not going to go vegan right now. I've still got to do da-da-da. And you say, okay, well, you can transition. You just, this is this is how you work towards it. I try to tell people to live moment by moment. I say, don't look at your whole life ahead of you with this whole big, I can't do this, I can't do that thing. Live moment by moment. You know, change your thinking. Look at other animals as beings, as individuals, and change your thinking. So the next time you go shopping, 
you 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 know make your actions based on this new paradigm of thought this new consciousness you've just told me you don't want to hurt animals you've just been sort of told by me that not being vegan hurts animals so now what are you going to do with that information and yeah it'll take some people more time than others and we acknowledge that but we never compromise we never lie to them and we never allow for the victims to be um, betrayed we just can't do that so anyway I don't know so I will probably come back and do uh, another episode soon um, really excited to be talking about the street store stuff and sharing experiences I'm talking to someone who's running a really successful stall and like I say there are other groups out there who are doing fantastic things um, and there are more and more propping up and I think you know it's inevitable that the abolitionist movement is going to become the you know the mainstream animal movement um, I just don't know how long it's going to take that's the only thing hopefully it'll be sooner rather than later um, but it is it is very much growing and people are really turning on to it and you know it's not just a few people anymore and it's so it's really really wonderful there's still a lot of misunderstandings going on which is why I recommend that people educate themselves um, especially by reading Gary Francione's books I've said that so many times but it's just so incredibly important um, because once you've woken up to the reality of the property status you just can't promote welfare you just you just can't <laughs> so like you just yeah so um anyway so thank you so very very much for listening i really appreciate well being i just appreciate being able to do this podcast and put it out there and i never thought anyone would listen and i'm thrilled that anybody can feel some kind of comfort from it or feel share that their experiences from it um but it's it's really helpful for me as well just to get I'm I need to get my thoughts out there I work things out as I say it sometimes and it's just the way I operate other people write you know heaps of people write and that that's their strong point and um, luckily we've got all these great bloggers out there who are blogging about veganism and things like that um okay so whatever you do whether it's art or writing or speaking or songs or podcasts please be unequivocal please never forget those victims every single second they should be on your mind every they should be fueling they should be the the um the drive behind everything that you do um all of them as a collective whole but also just keeping in mind there that they are individuals and don't despair yourself and become overwhelmed by the ones that we we can't save and by the, 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 the horror of it all focus on the fact that they have us and we're here and we're not going anywhere and um, we can support each other um, you know you're not alone in that and being that voice alright so I'll be back thanks for listening bye